Our second reading is from Luke chapter 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In many and various ways God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There is a lot in a name, and there was more in the past than there is now. You heard lots of names in our lesson from Luke, starting with the person to whom he is addressing his writing. O Theophilus, Luke says. O Theophilus, I'm putting together an orderly account so that you can be certain of the things that you have heard. Now that's an interesting name, Theophilus. It's unclear just exactly who that person is. The name means friend of God, Theophilus, friend of God. 
And so there's some speculation, and I like this theory, that there wasn't a particular person, but that Luke was writing to you, friends of God, writing an orderly account so that you can hear how your salvation was won, how your Savior came into the world, how he died for you to forgive your sins. Oh, Theophilus, Luke puts together an orderly account for you, friends of God, and he begins by naming some other characters, Zechariah of the division of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth. Those names are also very meaningful. Zechariah means the Lord remembers. The Lord remembers. And Elizabeth means my God has sworn. My God has made an oath. So imagine, I think it's kind of hard for us to imagine because we don't use names this way, but they would have thought of their names literally meaning those things. And so imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth living their day-to-day lives, calling one another by their names. Oh, Elizabeth. Oh, my God has sworn an oath. Oh, Zechariah, the Lord remembers. Day in and day out, as they spoke each other's names, they were reminding one another of who their God is. A God who remembers, who remembers his covenant and his promises, who remembers his people, who remembers the poor and the needy, those who are in the dust and ashes. He remembers. The Lord remembers. And a God who has sworn, who has sworn an oath, who has pledged even by his own name that he will be faithful to his people. Day in and day out, Zechariah and Elizabeth, as they spoke to one another, as they called each other by name, how could they forget? How could they lose sight of who their God was? A God who remembers and a God who keeps his oaths. And yet, those names are contrasted with this fact. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. And it wasn't just some problem that they could have expected in this life. After all, look at who they were. Righteous before God. Walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Day in and day out, they thought to themselves, The Lord remembers. My God has sworn an oath. We follow his commands. We obey his word. We love his law. We seek and desire righteousness. And yet, has he forgotten us? Has he been unfaithful to his promises to us? It's a story that is as old as time. It goes all the way back to the beginning when God made a promise to Eve that one of her offspring would crush the serpent's head. And from that moment on, Everyone, every faithful Israelite was looking for that seed. When will that seed come? When will that child come who will finally send the devil fleeing? And so Sarah came along and she was barren at 90 years old. She laughed when the angel told her she would have a child. When her son Isaac came along, he was married to Rebekah and she was barren. She inquired of the Lord when finally she conceived, why were there two boys in her womb? Why twins now? And then there was the mother of Samson, the nameless mother of Samson, a barren woman. There was Rachel, the daughter of Isaac and Rebekah, who actually speaks some of the very same words that Elizabeth spoke today. The Lord has taken away my reproach. When he remembers her, when he gives her a child, she says that her reproach has been taken away. And Hannah, The mother of Samuel, Hannah, whose name means favored one, who felt no favor from the Lord as she didn't have a child, as she was barren, waiting for the promised offspring who would crush the serpent's head, she prayed to the Lord, and he heard her prayer. And yet here are Zechariah and Elizabeth, thinking all the time, 
about how their God remembers and how he has sworn an oath and how they have listened to him and obeyed him and yet what do they have to show for it? What do they have to show for it? That is reproach. That's the word that Elizabeth uses to describe her condition. She was under reproach, disgrace, ashamed. At least in the eyes of the world she should be ashamed. To follow such a God, to listen to his promises, to obey his law, and to get nothing out of it? To be righteous and blameless and to have nothing to show for it? Certainly all of her friends and her family, if they looked at her, they would say, You're, you've got this all wrong, kind of like Job's friends looked at him and said, you must be doing something wrong if such disaster has befallen you. But forget about her friends and her neighbors and anybody in the world. Think about their own flesh. Zechariah and Elizabeth, their own flesh, what their own flesh must say. As they listen to God, and they obey his commandments, and they love his law, and they remember who he is, and yet, what do they have to show for it? Sometimes that's how it goes for us in our lives, I think, perhaps more often than not. As you strive to be faithful, as you trust God's promises, there are always new troubles. Always new temptations, always new trials, always new things to worry about and be anxious about, always new things to make you wonder whether, although God has saved you before, he will save you again. Although God has kept his promises before, maybe he's not keeping them now. Although he's remembered you before, maybe he's forgotten about you. At long last, maybe he's letting you have what you deserve. Our flesh holds us in contempt. That's the reproach that is hardest to bear. It's not what people might say about you. It's not the people wagging their tongues like they did at Jesus as he was on the cross, saying to him, if you're the son of God, bring yourself down from there. It's not what people might say, but it's what your own flesh would say, just as Jesus cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He would have had every reason to wonder in that moment whether God had forgotten him, whether God was going to keep his promises or not. That's our experience in this life. We are like Zechariah and Elizabeth. We have names like theirs, not the names that you were given by your parents, but the name of Christian, a child of God, Theophilus, a friend of God. You are God's friends. I call you friends, Jesus said. I call you friends. And yet you might wonder, what do I have to show for it? That wondering grows even greater often as life draws to a close and you look at your flesh wearing out and you wonder, Will he raise me on the last day? Will he open that grave? Will the trumpets sound and will I rise to see my Savior? Or will I suffer this reproach? Will I be put to shame? Now God knows what it is like. He knows what it is like because he sent his son to suffer these very same things. You see, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. A high priest who is able to sympathize with Zechariah and Elizabeth. A high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as you and I are. And he was found without fault. He was found blameless and sinless. And he was vindicated. He was not put to shame. He was raised on the third day. The grave could not hold him. What the world said about him proved untrue. What his father said about him proved true. God was faithful and just. He remembered. He remembered the covenant that he had made, the oath that he had sworn to his son, And because of that, he will remember you. He has not forgotten you. He never will. 
He made an oath. He swore an oath that he sealed with his own flesh and blood. He gave up his blood for you to cover all of your sins and to bind you to himself. He made a promise as a husband to a wife, till death us do part and beyond, through the grave and into eternity. He has sworn, and he certainly will do it. Now, the reason why we have the story in the Bible, the reason why Luke tells us what's going on in Luke chapter 1 with Zechariah and Elizabeth is because we find ourselves in this in-between time, waiting for the fulfillment, just as God's people were. And Luke tells us this story so that we can see how all along the way God keeps his promises, how all along the way he does not leave his people ashamed. He does not leave them without blessings and kindnesses. And so Elizabeth can say at the end of the lesson, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. The angel Gabriel, whose name means the strength of God, the might of God. The angel Gabriel says to Zechariah, do not be afraid for the Lord has heard your prayer. He might as well be here today saying that to you. The Lord has heard your prayers. But pay attention to how God answers these prayers. Zechariah just wanted a son, but what does he get? He gets a son who will come in the spirit and power of Elijah, which isn't really what any dad wants for his kid. The kind of guy who's gonna end up in the wilderness wearing camel's hair and eating locusts and honey. Not the kind of son he was looking for, and yet that's the son that God gave him. A son that actually was given not just to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but a son that was given to us as well. After all, John came to prepare our hearts for Jesus. And so we listen to the preaching of John, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and that is how you and I can bear our reproach right now in confidence. Although we know that God remembers and although we know that our Lord has sworn an oath now, as you look at the trouble in your life, as you look at your worry and your fear, as you look at your doubt, as you look at all of it, set it aside and rejoice. You can be confident now, facing that reproach with confidence because God is coming to redeem you. The whole story of Christmas is God keeping his promises and keeping them beyond what we could have hoped for. It would have been enough for us. We would have thought it was enough if God, from a distance, from the heavens, had saved us. But instead, he has done more. He sent his son to come alongside us, bearing our flesh, bearing our sin, suffering our death, taking it all to the grave and leaving it there so that you and I can rise with him. The Lord has taken away your reproach. Your prayers have been answered. God remembers He has sworn an oath. The might of the Lord will prevail over all sin, over all evil, over every weakness, every temptation, everything that ails you now. God is faithful and he is good. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.